Hello everyone, welcome back to the catwalk. I appreciate you checking in for this week's message. Today I am wrapping up a series of messages on the story of God. And today's message asks the question, can the West be converted? Uh, it's a question that's been around since the 1970s as a way of looking at our own culture as a mission field that is in need of being converted. I think it's appropriate for us to think about during this time as we're going through this pandemic crisis and uh, many people are not responding in the most helpful ways and it's uh, bringing to light and to our attention some of the weaknesses and the deficiencies in our culture. And it's a way for us to begin to think, how does our culture need to be converted and what can we do to help that along? I hope that you find this message encouraging and enlightening. I invite you to sit back, put up your feet, and listen as we talk about the question, can the West be converted? After serving for 40 years as a missionary and a bishop in India, Leslie Newbegin retired and returned home to Great Britain in the 1970s. What he found in his beloved homeland was a more difficult mission field than he had left behind. He wrote these words, England is a pagan society and the development of a truly missionary encounter with this very tough form of paganism is the greatest intellectual and practical task facing the church today. In that one sentence, Newbegin challenged the mental model of how Christians in the West have seen our hometowns and our cultures for the last 1,700 years. No matter how many times the British sang, God save the Queen, or Americans sang, God bless America, the most dominant influence on our culture today is no longer our Christian faith. Over the years, our culture's biggest influence has moved around from science to psychology to economics to self-gratification. On the surface, when people take surveys, an overwhelming number of Americans still say they believe in God. But if you probe beneath the surface and drill down a little deeper, you discover that God is really not the driving force in their lives. God is more of an afterthought, a get-out-of-jail-free card for the next life rather than the primary relationship that shapes how we live, work, and play. American culture is not just a mission field. It's a hard mission field. It's a tough nut to crack. The church is supposed to have an impact on the world in which we live. As Christians, we are supposed to influence our community. But our culture is stubbornly difficult and resistant to the kind of change God is calling us to bring. In Alan Roxburgh's book, Practices for the Refounding of God's People, he describes how our Western culture was founded 
on modernity's wager. Modernity's wager is the belief that all of life can be lived well without the need for God. He says we are currently witnessing the unraveling of this wager. Our culture is unraveling. The church is unraveling. Both the church and our culture have lost our way. People feel unmoored and cast adrift. Our culture no longer has the power to deliver what it has promised. We have lost confidence in the primary institutions of our culture to address the deeply unsettling issues confronting us. We have lost confidence in our leaders to address complex problems and discover difficult solutions. Little is changing. The middle class is shrinking. There is a deepening fear that something has gone terribly wrong and it cannot be fixed. Our politics has become partisan and polarized. People feel they have no hope or direction. A malaise is growing. The crises facing our culture feel overwhelming. Black people do not feel safe. Mental health, physical health, abuse, and personal relationships seem to be getting worse. Confidence has been replaced by fear and anxiety. Our society has produced winners and losers. Prejudice and racism seem to be getting worse. Doubt and skepticism are on the rise. Our capitalistic economy seems to be collapsing. The liberal welfare state we put our faith and hope in has not delivered. Change is happening too fast. Insecurity and uncertainty seem to be everywhere. Our society feels at risk. So what do we do? How can we survive in this state of uncertainty? How can we have a genuine missionary encounter with our own culture? Can the West be converted? This morning, I would like to suggest four things the Bible tells us to do as we work to convert our culture and provide hope at the same time. The first thing is to seek the truth. We live in a world of lies. We live in a world of fake news. We suffer from confirmation bias. We believe what we want to believe. <clears throat> we reject whatever we don't like, what doesn't sound good, and what will require me to change my mind, admit I was wrong, or change my behavior. We follow the crowd. I believe whatever my tribe tells me to believe. We engage in groupthink. We don't reflect. We don't evaluate. We have lost the ability to discern the difference between the truth and a lie. I see people sharing stories on Facebook that are not true. People are just as gullible as anyone else, and sometimes more so. People believe in conspiracy theories that have been debunked. 
we have this resistance to changing our mind. We have an aversion to the truth. We would rather believe what we want to believe. The antidote to this problem is to develop the ability to discern the truth. The ability to do this always begins with Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And in John 8, 32, Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The truth is not a what. The truth is a who. Knowing the truth always begins with Jesus. Without him, we are susceptible to being deceived. And yet there are Christians today who believe lies that are being passed around our culture. So even after we know Christ, we still have to learn to discern the truth in our world. We can learn to do that by immersing ourselves daily in the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There is no substitute for knowing what the Bible teaches. Two of the most important spiritual practices we need to engage in are reading the Bible and praying every day. There are so many lies and untruths that are thrown at us from the world that we need to fill our minds every day with the truth from God. The world says all truth is relative, but the Bible says all truth is constant. The world says you have your truth and I have my truth, but the Bible says God is the truth. We need to do our best to understand it and fill our minds with it so that we can discern what is true and what is not true in our world. A second practice we need to engage in as we ask, can the West be converted, is to seek the common good. Jeremiah 29.7 says, Seek the welfare of the community where I have sent you, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Throughout history, some Christians have withdrawn from culture in an attempt to not be unduly influenced by its sin, its greed, and its selfishness. Some Christians are angry at culture. They engage in culture wars and get upset about how people have ruined our culture. The Bible does not encourage us to abandon our culture, get angry at our culture, defend our culture, or even to try to restore our culture. The Bible encourages us to engage our culture. It tells us to look for places where we have common ground. They are not always easy to see, but they do exist. We need to pray for our culture and seek to build up our culture. 
Pointing fingers at our culture doesn't bring about a lot of change. Blaming culture often makes people defensive. Being judgmental provokes people to dig in their heels. Few people were ever argued into the Christian faith. We love people towards the truth. If people see us seeking the welfare of our community, they will be more inclined to listen to us. If they see our hearts and how we want the best for our society, their posture will be more open to us. We need to gauge what our attitude is and what people are hearing from us when we speak. The second practice is to seek the common good. The third practice we need to engage in as we ask, can the West be converted, is to seek humility. This is one of the most common themes that runs through scripture, and yet I think it's one of the most overlooked aspects in the Bible in today's church. In Matthew 23, 12, Jesus says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Ephesians 4, 2 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And in James 4, 6, and 10, it says, but he gives us more grace. And that is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This pandemic is a very humbling experience. None of us knows what we are doing. Nobody has the answers. We don't have a vaccine or a cure for the virus. We don't know how to get the economy back on track. People don't know how to plan for the future. We don't know what the right decisions are to make. Our culture has been pretty arrogant and proud in the past, and we keep looking up to people who are proud. God is humbling us. We are not going to get through our crisis by loudly declaring that we have the answer and we know the right thing to do. We will get through the crisis by doing the opposite, by admitting we don't know what we are doing. I don't know what I am doing. We are all experimenting. We need to try some new things. We need to learn some new skills. We are being stretched. Growth and progress begin with humility. There are things I need to learn that I don't know yet. Instead of being so sure that we are right and other people are wrong, we should consider the possibility that other people might be right. And even if they aren't 100% right, they might have one good idea we haven't thought of. They might have one insight we haven't considered. The church is a team where we need everyone to contribute your knowledge and your wisdom and your spiritual gifts. We all have blind spots in our lives, things that are outside our peripheral vision. We need to listen to others. We need to observe more and talk less. 
We need to reflect more and boast less. These things usually begin with the practice of humility. So the three practices we need as we think about can the West be converted are to discern the truth, seek the common good, and practice humility. The fourth and final point is to see that God is doing a new thing. In Isaiah 43, 19, God says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And in Revelation 21, 3, God says, I am making everything new. God is tearing down some of the old parts of our world in order to build some new things in our world. In the midst of the unraveling of the world, there is a ferment and a bubbling up of new things that God is doing. At the same time that parts of our culture are collapsing, God is raising up new people, new ways of thinking, and new signs of life we have not seen before. Every ending is a new beginning. So the challenge of the church is not to try to go back to the past. Our task is not to try to recreate the good old days. Our task is to discover how God is reshaping the church so that we can reshape the world. How do we need to be reformed so that we can lead the reforms that are needed in our community? It's not about recovering our old way of life. It's about discovering God's new way of life for us, which will include some very ancient elements in them. God is doing a new thing in the church and in the world. Do you see it? Can you perceive it? We are not going to emerge from this coronavirus the way we were before. This experience has changed us. It is changing us. Suffering makes us different people. Our suffering can make us better people. It's time for us to follow the Holy Spirit on a new journey where God is already out ahead of us leading the way. The question is, will we follow him and will we trust him? We now live in an age of fear, anxiety, and insecurity. The speed of change is faster than it has ever been. Modernity's wager said that we can live well without God and the future will be better for everyone. That promise has not proved to be true. Our missionary challenge as the church is to address our time and place where people no longer have confidence in our nation's stories or leaders. Our cultural narratives are unraveling and no longer give us hope. People are tired and we don't know what to do. But the witness of the Bible is that supernatural revelation 
is what drives change. The story of God's word is that hope always emerges out of despair. The ferment and the bubbling up of the Holy Spirit bring a sense of expectancy when we become aware of what God is doing. People still need Jesus. People are still looking for God. They're just doing it in different ways. As hard as it is, God is giving us an opportunity to convert the West. It may seem odd, but three of the main ways we can do that are to learn to discern the truth, seek the common good, and practice humility. As we are doing these things, we discover that God is doing a new thing in our world. Can you see it? God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.